Hello, welcome to the Crazy Bird podcast. My name is Violeta Kaminska, and today I have a wonderful guest with us, Maria Mortati. Hello, Maria. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Maria is uh, connecting with us from San Francisco, California. And before I jump right into our conversation, I'm very excited to chat with Maria, but I have to make sure I stop for a second and first I will introduce you, Maria, to our listeners. So Maria is a public interaction designer and educator who works with groups from healthcare and museum settings to create real world, interactive experiences and exhibits. These span immersive experiences to engage people who struggle with Alzheimer's, room-sized environments, to introduce museum visitors to art, to engaging passersby in London, to the workings of the brain. She frequently participates in panels and leads workshops about innovative public engagement practices, the future of museums, and interaction design. She's an adjunct at the California College of the Arts, holds a BFA in Studio Art from the University of Colorado, and MFA in Design from Stanford University. Maria is currently working on a first-of-its-kind multi-sensory interactive to enrich the lives of people living with dementia. Once again, welcome to Crazy Bird Podcast, Maria. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. I'm honored to have you with us. I know it's a busy time for you, so I really, really appreciate you finding a moment to tell us about your creative process and about your latest project. So, first of all, I'm going to share the secret with the whole world. I met you a few years ago at California College of the Arts. I was a student at the time. And you were a professor. You're still a professor at California College of the Arts. I wasn't in the interactive part of the design program I was uh, in. But okay. I remember you and Scott, right? Scott and yeah. you guys were teaching a class. And somehow, I think it was the beginning, it was the first, qu- uh, the first semester we were taking. And maybe it was the summer part. All the students were floating through different classes to see you know, what they will eventually choose. So I remember that experience. That's how I met you. And then, you know, ever, yeah, I remember that. And it was a really wonderful experience. And ever since I followed you on different platforms, reading articles and seeing your work, I've been always very impressed. And I was, at that time, I was really fascinated with uh, museum exhibit design. And I was trying to figure out what I would like to do with my life, with the design part of my life. So I was very curious. And I think you and Graham Plum, you you guys uh, collaborated so, yes, please tell us a little bit about your work, sure. what it is that you do, what's the mystery behind your work? <laughs> um, well, maybe a little bit of history would help unpack that a little bit. So um, I started out in life as a studio art major um, for my undergrad, and then when I moved to the Bay Area, I st- started working as like a graphic designer and then a new media designer and then an interaction designer Um, in the early days of interaction design. And just before the end of the dot-com boom, I decided I wanted to go to graduate school. I had kind of touched upon all the realms that seemed interesting to me um, in that field. And then, uh, but I didn't want to become, at that time, I didn't feel ready to become a creative director or something. I still wanted to do projects. And so I went to graduate school, got my MFA from Stanford, where I was in the joint program in design. So I was thrown in with a lot of mechanical engineers. So I leaned towards building, uh, designing and building real world interactives, things that started to look a lot like museum exhibits. 
Um, but at the time I didn't really think about it that way. Um, so when I got out, you know, I was kind of hunted around and was really seemed like museum exhibition design was the next step for me. And I initially did projects that were more technology based, but over time I learned to design more traditional exhibitions. I worked on projects, you know, where I was working on a team where we created whole new museums, but my, the sort of through line of my work was always around um, sort of human centered design where you put the, you know, the person first in all, all the touch points along the way of the design process. So I spent about 20 years doing all forms of different projects, either as an artist or designer um, in and around museums. And then a couple of years ago, a project kind of fell into my lap that was around creating interactives for people with Alzheimer's at the San Francisco campus for Jewish living in San Francisco. And that's sort of how I got to today, where I'm creating kind of multi-sensory experiences to help alleviate some of the the difficulties of the disease for for this population. So is the project already, um, is it still, are you still developing it or it's actually being applied in real life? It's out there and being tested? Um, We are in, so we just, this, I just wrapped up the second, the end of the second year. Mm -hmm. Before I came along, they had some design competitions. They did projects with students from UC Berkeley to do some speculative design around what kinds of things might they do for people with Alzheimer's. They kind of settled along on a on an idea of something that had a lot of different themes that you could expose people to, but they didn't know how to do that. Um, so right now, the project, we've built two prototypes, um, full-scale prototypes. We are working on getting more funding and continuing to develop the second prototype towards creating a product or maybe a couple of different products at different mm-hmm. scales to immerse people in delightful experiences. So right now this is you're focusing on one particular center, right? San yes. Francisco. But mm-hmm. this could go much further, right? It could be applied much further eventually. Yeah, definitely. I mean basically I'm taking the the sensibility of interactive museum exhibition design Mm -hmm. to this population. Mm -hmm. Um, So they could go to other centers for sure. And then it could also appear and things like it, somewhat like it have appeared, you know, in museums, not exactly constructed that way, but um, obviously it's a very different thing to create something for in a slightly more quasi clinical sense. You know, we're in a memory care facility And it's very different to create something for a population with very unique capacities than the rest of us. And you said, you know, it's our the second year, right? You've been working on for for two years now Mm -hmm. and you're dealing with a particular area of human health. Mm -hmm. Right. And something that I think is still being investigated by researchers and not fully understood from what I know. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, my grandfather suffered from Alzheimer years ago. So I had a little bit of that experience in my family with slowly losing a, a loved one. You explained it to us, the human-centered design process is a big part of your work, and especially in this project, I think, right, we're developing. So I'm a, you're probably doing lots of research. So I'm, um, I'm assuming that your team 
consists maybe not 24-7 the particular uh, healthcare advisors, but I'm assuming that there are lots of people involved in that kind of project, right? It's not just uh, a designer and an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the team is um, made up myself as the lead um, director of programs at the center has been the expert advisor. I brought on an intern to assist me with research because the research is at the intersection of interaction design, multi-sensory, immersive experiences, multimedia, media, things like that. And then obviously dementia and dementia care. And then I brought on Scott Miniman, who, you know, we mentioned earlier when we were chatting, who's my co-prof at California College of the Arts um, and is an expert in the field of interaction design as the sort of technological architect of the project. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so there's many people. And then I have informants who are staff members that do the enrichment activities for people on the campus. And so they'll talk to me about you know, I'd sit in on their sessions with residents and sort of see like, oh, we do singing event, you know, activities and we do other types of play activities. So I could kind of see what's the state of the art currently. I'm trying to think who else. I think that's the, the gist of the, you know, the primary team. Yeah. And so this is healthcare, and this is your focus right now. When I was looking at your website and your projects, there is quite a variety of different projects you've developed and have been involved with. I was amused and very uh, curious about the cat project. (laughs) You know, I was like, oh, this is very different, you know, because I'm all reading about healthcare. And suddenly, wait, there is a cat. Of course, there is a cat project. There has to be a cat project everywhere. So can you tell us about the cat project? Sure, I'd be happy to. So... Um, For a couple of years in the 2010s, the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis decided to put together an internet cat video film festival where they, you know, sourced videos from around the world and then put together this curated list. And the first time they did it, they were going to hold it, I can't remember if it was inside the museum in the theater there, I believe so. It was part of a project called Open Field. And then they thought there maybe be like, I don't know, you know, 500 people show up or something like that. And I forget how many people showed up. Thousands and thousands of people showed up and they had to do it outdoors on their campus. So the next year they had 11,000 people and they did it on the fairgrounds of the Minneapolis State Fair, which is a big to do <laughs> there. And the director of the festival asked me if I would create an interactive experience. And so I thought the natural thing to do for where people are watching videos of cats was to have to create a mobile interactive recording station where it would record people imitating their cats. And so they would stick their head inside this giant cat head's mouth and have to make a cat sound. And then I strung them together um, into a video and played that as like the precursor to the main event of, of the night. And it was hilarious. Did you get any responses? Oh, they were, you know, people were laughing. They were pretty hilarious. You know, Um, I mean, you can never go wrong with a cat video, but (laughs) (laughs) that's what they say, you know, just put a cat anywhere. Right. Right. Very successful. Right. Or a human as it turns out. (laughs) Or a cat. That's right. So now, okay, so we talk about cats, we talk about healthcare. So this project, when it comes to your healthcare project, multi-sensory project, 
this is an ongoing project still. Are you working on something else? Or are you already planning another project? Or do you always work on one particular project till the very end and then you start with a new one? I know that sometimes designers, artists work on different projects at the same time. Um, I can, I have limited bandwidth. So typically I work on one project at a time. I've worked on um, a small history exhibit. I'm on a couple of museum boards. Um, but generally speaking, in order to do this work, it requires quite a lot of research and interpretation and high engagement mm-hmm. you know, with the people involved in my project. We call it human-centered design. I kind of think of it doing public projects as more of community-centered design. Um, and so it really demands all of my attention mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, it seems like a very comp- that that project is a very complex project you're working on. Yeah, what you said I thought was really interesting, and that's something you teach and I teach, and students, artists, and designers sometimes struggle with this idea early on, They're just wondering where they will go, what they will do. You said also you were doing graphic design, and you got into interaction, and interaction was very new. Even today, some people are trying to understand what interaction with experienced designers, how they to relate to each other, and I can only imagine the very beginning beginning that was a very new term and concept do you have any advice for young artist designers uh, i often tell my students to keep their minds and eyes and ears open when they come to study one particular for example major not to limit themselves that this major means this do you have any words of wisdom or some advice or just any thoughts like reflections on that because I'm assuming when you were younger, you were in a similar maybe place. Maybe you were not thinking where you're heading with it, but you're a very creative person, very intelligent, and you're just so open. So you were exploring different areas until you found and combined all of them. Well, thank you. That's very flattering. Um, I have a few more words I'm going to add to it. <laughs> I think, you know, everyone says find your passion. Sometimes your passion is revealed to you you know, as you go. But I think I agree with you. I think here in the U.S. we kind of maybe have a little bit more fences around our degrees and what we think we are or are not. Um, In other places, I think it's a bit different. But I do think that having a good education where you're able to not just implement design, but understand other realms in in our field, that's so important having a healthy dose of curiosity, being able to do, learning how to do real research and really understand people and whether it's academic or social or the domain that you're working in is so important so that you can be fully empathetic to the people you're working with. And that actually sets you up to be creative because you're you're involved in their world. You're a part of their world as much as you possibly can be which I find really rewarding. You know, I, these are my collaborators. I'm not doing this, like you said, I'm not doing this by myself and I'm doing this with, for example, the Alzheimer's project with the other staff and the caregivers, the maintenance staff, all these people, whether it's a museum or healthcare facility, these are the people that help these projects come to life. So I think to kind of go back to the beginning there is just to be happy, happy to be immersive, find out the skills you can find to be able to immerse yourself in other worlds, I think. And it's really delightful because I get to learn so much and meet really interesting people through my work. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. 
we don't create for ourselves, obviously. If we do, then it's a different kind of work. You put it in your drawer, you keep it in your apartment or house. I think it's all about, especially in our times, it cannot be any different anymore. It's about creating community and contributing and adding to the community. And to do so, we really have to be good team members. It's very important for, especially I think for all of us, but as educators, we know that, but those we younger generations we educate that working with others is crucial the kind of mm-hmm. it's very important i think uh, especially now it's difficult might be difficult to understand or apply in real life because of uh, covid right and where we are all a little bit isolated so we're not necessarily feeling that closeness another thing i wanted to add i think you are a leader when you work on projects at this point of your career and I, that's what, when I said earlier, I have something else to add. What stood out to me at California College of the Arts, when I remember seeing you working with Scott and advising fellow students, I remember how I always, when I, whenever you guys were moving, we had those little studios. I remember it was open space at that time. I remember I was always looking at you and Scott, I was thinking, you were listening, genuinely listening. And I always remember that. I was watching it. I was thinking... You were present there. You could tell that you were present, you were engaged. And then it was a very, you had this calm demeanor. And then you just shared um, your thoughts and perspective. And that always stood out to me. And I think that's the true characteristic of a leader. It's not always that easy to listen to so many people talking (laughs) about their ideas. And those ideas might be different. And I'm sure, you know, I'm one of those people that might jump say, oh, but did you, you know, have you thought of this? You know, Mm -hmm. but you always manage to keep calm and carry on. (laughs) Well, thank you. I tried. And I really love teaching with Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, really felt like we were a good team, you know. Very it, it, it always showed that. Yeah, it always yeah. showed like teamwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, but I always admired that kind of calmness. Oh, thank you. you know, w- within that group of creative minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's so wonderful to talk to you, Maria, and I'm really, really uh, grateful for you to share with us all your, um, well, not all, a few projects, <laughs> uh, especially this one you are working on right now, multi-sensor project with Alzheimer's patient. I'm following your work and I will continue following it. I will share with our listeners different platforms where you share your work and your projects where they can learn more about work you are currently doing and past projects. I also will share on our website a link to your article that was published a few weeks ago about the latest project you're working on. So if anybody, yes, the interview. So if anybody's interested in learning more, they can do that. So, Mm -hmm. and you are on Instagram too, right? Yes, Maria Mortati. Okay. Once again, thank you so much. And you are our last guest in 2021. So Happy New Year. Happy Um, New Year to you too. And thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Thank you. Yes, that's the crazy bird fun for 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Maria. I'll see you in 2022. If I don't see you in person, I'm sure I'll see you somewhere out there on social media. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Bird Podcast. The Crazy Bird Podcast is hosted by Violeta Kaminska. Our guest for this episode was Maria Mortati. You can learn more about Maria's work on her website at mortati.com. You can also find Maria on Instagram at Maria Mortati and on Twitter at Mortati. Our theme music is inspired by Tambourine by French composer Francois-Joseph Gosset. The improvisation is performed by Agnieszka 
Kovalik. Nature sounds are recorded by Violeta Kaminska. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Violeta Kaminska.